Looking forward to your guffaws. I don't know if that's a word. Guffaws is a laugh. Oh, yeah. My faux pas. There you go. I think it's pronounced fax piss. Uh, It's definitely (laughs) not. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and a trip around the globe for a soccer update from all around the world. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined, as always, by Brady Olson and Dave Kolichkowski. Boys, how are we doing on this dreary, dreary Monday? It's a dreary Monday, but I am inspired. Today is National Coming Out Day. I've read very many stories about athletes coming out and how important it was to their lives and their loved ones' lives. And it's not always easy, um, but we, as the wingers, are in support of love. Love is love, and it doesn't matter who you love. Yes, couldn't agree more. Happy National Coming Out Day, everybody. Yes. And Dave, how about yourself? How are we doing today? I don't know, man. Last night was rough for me. So yeah, a dreary yeah. day is appropriate for multiple reasons. Yesterday, some tough soccer matches, and uh, the White Sox ended up winning a game <sighs> in the playoffs, which I was really hoping wouldn't happen. But I also don't want the Astros to win either. I would really prefer if they just both those teams could lose. Quite that a would be conflict. Great. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hate going there. And obviously today, Monday, it is October 11th, which means the majority of the NFL games for week five happened yesterday, October 10th. And it was a plagued uh, week of games, I would say. A lot of injuries happened for some pretty big players, Russell Wilson being one of them. But congratulations to both the Bears and the Vikings for getting a win. I would say the Bears win is more impressive because the Vikings really wanted to give that game away to the Detroit Lions. Did anyone see Man Campbell and his tears? Yes. Proving that men can cry. Yes. Even when they bite (laughs) kneecaps. The Vikings were my pick for the pool this week because I thought it was oh. a sure thing. And I was like, I gotta, I've got to get rid of the Vikings this week. This is the only opportunity I have. And then it was the scariest like five minutes of my life. Like, yep. it's like no. I, I thought about it. And as a fan of that team can tell you, I if I don't have to pick them at all this year, I will not be doing it because I know that I'll have to. But I, oh, man. What a I rush do not, though. I got them off. I'm good. Nice. Do not, I I do not, not trust them. <laughs> I do not Except trust the them at all. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be hard to predict this year. They're going to show up for games that no one will think they're going to show up to. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to Ian working the boards behind the glass, editing our podcast into the fine audio product that it is. And thank you to Jen for helping us run our social media accounts. Now, in the world of soccer, 
the international break is currently underway. So the big teams in the MLS, the EPL, at least on the men's side, are not playing in the spirit of the international break. I'm curious what both of your favorite destinations are outside of the U.S. that you have traveled to. I can go first. <laughs> Do it, Dave. I've only been to uh, Spain and Canada, so I don't really have many options yet. Well, boy, it better be Spain. Great. You know, <laughs> I, I did. I really loved Madrid. I got to go check out the rest of the country. Um, but I had a great time in Canada as well. Montreal and Quebec are very nice cities. So. I'm forget it. Yeah, I'm remembering now the reason that you went there, which was a music festival. And that would be a fun way to spend it compared to my trip to Canada, which was a family vacation to go look at museums. And it's just not. Has great. everyone seen Niagara Falls? Yes, I did that. Oh, nope. How mighty. Never been to Niagara Falls. Well, that was it. I have been to <laughs> Prague, uh, Prague in Slovakia. That was quite fun. That was a, uh, that city is a perfect combination of beautiful, historic, and a lot of people are there for a good time. Met some very nice people who are all down to share a beer. Yes. Excellent. My favorite destination outside of the U.S. Uh, has got to be England, London specifically. Mm. I love, love, love that city. And it has, it kind of has the energy of a New York or a Chicago, but much more chill and like welcoming. I feel like in the cities in the U.S., you just get pushed around. They're like, move our way or don't move at all. And in London, it's just like, yeah, well, go at your own pace. Stop in at the pub. Um, so I've been to London twice. Really love it. Definitely a huge part of your Chelsea selection. Uh, as far Indeed. As I love the people of Chelsea. Mm. <laughs> Before we dive into the Chicago-specific soccer teams, let's take a quick trip up north to do a quick loons check-in. And the reason I want to check in now is because there are six games remaining in the MLS season. The Loons are currently 10, 8, and 10 in seventh place in the Western Conference. So if the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs, but just barely in that last spot in the Western Conference. Not dead. Very close. <laughs> Now, of the six games that remain in the season for the Loons, pretty much all of them are must-win games because they're right at the bottom. They need to make sure they hold on to that spot or move up. And these games are against good teams. Most of them are against really good teams. Sporting KC, LAFC, Philadelphia, Real Salt Lake, just names a few of them, and all those teams are in the playoff hunt and seated higher than the Loons themselves. So they have an uphill battle. If they can finish strong and go in hot and confident into the playoffs, they might be a dark horse fun team to watch. Not saying, but I'm just saying. So Skull Loons, make it happen. I'm excited to watch these boys at the end of the year. They have enough talent. They should be there, but you are clinging on for dear life right now. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. 
Speaking as a general Minnesota sports fan, clinging on to dear life is what I do when it comes time for the playoffs. So I'm, I'm prepared. I've spent 29 years preparing for that. No worries. But your support is appreciated. Taking it back to the Windy City, the Red Stars. This week had a game. O.L. Rain came away with a 3-2 to two loss. Oh, it was so, Ugh. so close. Yeah. To an away point, let alone a W. It was very, yeah, very close. Yeah. It could have gone both, both ways. Uh, I really liked how the Red Stars went at the rain. Uh, instead of their normal 4-2-3-1, it was more of a 4-3-3 with dual eights. Went right at them right away. Very good sign. And we even scored first, which was wonderful. Yeah. Is that different formation that was played, you think, a response to the way that Rain plays? I think so. I think the Red Stars needed to, they knew they needed to be on the front foot in order to have a chance in this game because if you let the Rain come at you, it's going to pour. Okay. (laughs) Dome, right? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea how to pull it back. Um, Okay. (laughs) But... The Red Stars started off front foot, like I said, 14th minute. Mal Pugh scores the first goal. Uh, Kelia Watt hit it by the center back off of a throw-in, outpaces her to the ensuing 50-50, and just outside of the box on the right flank, pulls the ball back to Pugh at the top of the box, takes a couple extra touches to settle, and then fires between the legs of the defender, Huerta, Lesson for you strikers, when in doubt, it's never a bad idea to fire between a defender's legs. Yeah, I just wanted to agree with what Brady was saying too. Uh, Watts' effort here was awesome. Love the drive and the pace she's shown to get to the mm-hmm. ball and then the strength to maintain the possession. Uh, it was nice to see it end up in the back of the net. And, you know, it feels like it's the first of many, you know, this early in the game. Lots of goals to come. Yeah, it was back and forth, but the Red Stars were no way outclassed early. Both teams had opportunities, and then the 31st minute happens, and you just got to give it to soccer players sometimes. Sometimes they score great goals. Fishlock scores a worldie. Uh, Sofia Huerta, the defender in the last instance, now shows her attacking side. She drags defenders towards her in the midfield, drops it off to Fishlock, who is, what do you think, like 35 meters out? Pretty far out. It was way, way downtown. He even has a defender closing her down. Hell of a strike. Pings it off the yeah. bar and in. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where the spiders lay their eggs. <laughs> yeah. YOLO was what I thought when she <laughs> took that shot. Like, <laughs> a little throwback. I'm an old person. I still say YOLO. Yes. But hey, it was good. <laughs> that's ex- the first thing that came into mind. But it was a perfect play- placement at the top right corner of the net. I was stunned. It was a momentum changer because I felt like you know, despite the back and forth, you know, the Red Stars were in control. Yeah, a big goal like that can really change the game. The rain gained confidence and then possession from said confidence. 34th minute, Huerta tried her luck from the corner of the box and rattles the Red Star crossbar again. And another close one. Yeah, this was close uh, to another insane moment, like honestly, inches away from back-to-back spectacles within like three minutes. Like mm-hmm. you would have been nuts if that was in. And speaking of spectacles, it this next goal is really fabulous. Uh, more confident possession from the rain. Angelina with a confident turn in the midfield, 
couple one-time passes in the center, switches the field to Huerta, who has time and a 1v1 against the Red Star left back, Aaron Wright, who can only deflect the cross, not defend it, and it lands perfectly on Fishlock's head. Yeah, 35th minute Fishlock. Makes it 2-1 to one for the rain. In this goal, there are two things I wanted to touch on because, like I said, fabulous goal. Positionless soccer from the rain is my first point. Fishlock makes a far post run here like a winger, was one of the sort of central midfielders when they actually caused the switch here. She's one of the eights, yet made a run like a winger. Angelina, who started the play deep in her own midfield, is nominally that winger. So she's dropped deep out of her position, opens up space for Fishlock, And then similar to Liverpool, the outside backs are playing like attackers in this possession. Rose Lavelle, who is a winger, was overlapped by Huerta. And that causes a ton of chaos on the Red Stars side of things. And then also Rose Lavelle stays outside of the box in case of a counter. She covers for that. So it's just positionless soccer. Everyone knows where to be, even when it isn't specifically your position's normal role. When you know where you're supposed to be in an attacking, uh, you know, move like this, it's really hard to defend. And then my second point is cross-blocking body position. These are one of these teensy tiny details where just the angle of your body when you're defending can mean everything. And I'm picking on Aaron right here. You know, this is just one of those things that happens in soccer and that one step can mean can change everything. Aaron Wright's body position needs to be slightly behind the ball and angled away from her own end line. That way, any deflections are either going to go away down the sideline or out of bounds. Instead, she's angled towards her end line. This cross becomes much more dangerous. And even this deflection doesn't really stop it. It just pumps it up into the air into a really dangerous spot right along that far post. So we go into the half, 2-1 down, and it's just a little tiny detail. And that's also why possession in soccer is super important. You're trying to shift that defender by just that one step at times. As we go into the second half, Pew has a chance to tie the game right away in the 48th minute. I don't really want to go too far into it, but she should have tied the game here. Instead, it's Rose Lavelle on the opposite side of the field, makes it 3-1 to one in the 51st minute. She's a pinched-in winger here. Gautreaux on the Red Stars just wanders too far away from her and away from her own midfield spot. A little bit interesting, just kind of caught wandering. Huerta recognizes it, and it's just too easy. There's too much space for Rose, and I'm surprised it's her first on the season. She's such a good player. She doesn't need this much time. I was shocked, too. And it was just jaw-dropping that she was just floating there unmarked. I think there must have been some kind of confusion with the player down in the box. I don't have the name, Mm -hmm. but... They seemed to be pulled in and maybe thought the play was going to, or the play was going to be blown dead, um, but it wasn't just not a good look overall. And where it is everywhere. She's involved every time we talk about the rain. So it's, yes. it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. She had three assists on the three goals. The second fish slot goal. She doesn't technically get an assist because of the, the deflection, but it was her cross. So she, yeah, she was everywhere and kind of made up for her own, defensive, you know, that's why she's plays right back for this team. It's more of an attacking role than it is a defensive one. Uh, The Red Stars didn't give up, though. Created many, many more chances in the 56th minute. There was a turnover in the Reigns half. Hill took the shot instead of finding Watt, who was wide open in the middle. 
there's chances for the Red Stars to tie and win this game. Um, and then 69th minute, Milazzo makes it three to two. First goal of her career. What a goal to start it off. Amazing. Uh, and yeah, no one was afraid of a long shot in this game. No kidding, right? <laughs> Just <laughs> lots crazy. of long shots. So Pew tries one, gets blocked. The block rolls slowly to Malazzo and just a beaut. It's awesome shot. Yeah. I just couldn't believe how many of these long shots got past keeper, the keeper, and it was just got me pumped. I thought there was a reasonable chance to get the draw after this one because, again, you think that it would build momentum, but you come up short. Yeah, overall, a really fun game. I don't, you know, you, we need three points at this point in the season, but this is not a, a like a terrible loss. This is a really good team on their turf, and we really were toe to toe. Yesterday, Wednesday, October 13th, they played the Orlando Pride. Go check out that score. We are recording on Monday, so we can't tell you what happened there. But this coming Saturday, the 16th of October, they will be playing Kansas City at 7 p.m. Must, must win. Must have this one. Everyone, mm-hmm. please knock on wood for me. Okay. There's no jinx. This is just a fact. We are 5-0 to zero goal differential. So far in two games against Kansas City, it must be a win in order for us to make the playoffs. Yes. Come on, Red Stars. Make it happen. After that, after break, they then play the Orlando Pride. Friday, October 29th. We get the Orlando Pride twice out of our last three games. I really hope they know how to play them. Yeah, the last three games, obviously super important as we come down to the stretch here. The first tiebreaker is head-to-head. We don't have convincing wins over any of the teams above us. It's pretty much even wins, losses, stuff like that. So the next tiebreaker is goal differential, which the Red Stars is not great. We are negative three right now, Um, but that's not helpful as far as tiebreakers. So, hey, we need to win these games. Must, must win. Want to get into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Moving over to the fire, Chicago Fire FC. They are on international break right now, like most professional soccer teams. So is there any news? Not really. really. Hmm. Send an email to us, windycitywingers.info at Gmail. If you want to go with me to the fan appreciation night game, it's the last home game. Uh, All, you know, uh, exclusive trip. (laughs) (laughs) You can watch me be crazy live. He is. It's wild. I am excited for this game, even though they've been abysmal this year. Got to figure out who's going to use those extra tickets. Fire initiative for all season ticket holders to invite extra people and pack the stadium. So (laughs) let's go fire. Let's send them off um, with the W. You know, send us off with the W. Something to get a little bit excited about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as much, you know, it's been hard to be a fan of the team, but imagine playing for that team and trying and training and not coming up with the results you want. So exactly. doesn't doesn't mean they don't deserve some fan loves. Get out there, cheer them on. Coming up next, the Fire Play New England, Saturday, October 16th at 6 p.m. Last time was fun. Yeah, last time we had a five-goal thriller. That's honestly all I'm hoping for. Uh, yep. They're runaway shield holders right now, and there's not a ton that's going to stop them. 
maybe the fire can stop them. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> it would be. Before we dive into our game of the week, which is U.S. men's national team versus Panama, let's take a step back and review the game that happened on the night of our last podcast release. That was October 7th. U.S. men's national team faced Jamaica and came away with a 2-0 to zero victory. So if you Ooh. tuned in on that Thursday, you got the full preview, and then you got the game. Bam, bam. Pepe for America had both of the goals. He has arrived. Oh, yes, he has. Check out my article, which I wrote actually before his first call-up, but no matter, it got published <laughs> afterwards. Still relevant. It's on my Twitter feed. Check it out. Stat underscore bro. Trendsetter, Brady. You called it. You knew. Mm-hmm. And for our lovely listeners tuning in for this Thursday, last night will have been the game against Costa Rica on the 13th at 6 p.m. It's important because if the USA went out on their home games, it doesn't really matter what we do away from home. It's a must win in that respect. Also, we've done fairly well against Costa Rica at home. Hopefully that trend continues and you are a happy listener on Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. But let's dive into game of the week, U.S. men's national team versus Panama. This took place last night, Sunday night, Mm. October 10th. U.S. men's national team lost to Panama, one to zero. I got to watch this game with Brady. It really gave me an ulcer to be in the same space with Brady watching this game. So much stress which was then followed by enveloping depression that kind of crushed everything around him. (laughs) Yep. That sums up the feels really well there. (laughs) Totally, totally agree. (laughs) It was nerves about the bears game that then decreased when the bears started to win. And then the nerves went back up for the U S (laughs) men's national team game. And then those kind of stayed there. And as soon as Panama scored, you kind of, it felt like you kind of knew at that point. The writing was on the wall, and you just went all the way down. Uh, yep, we'll get into why. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, though, the crowd in Panama looked wild, crazy. And that proved to be the case after that Panama goal, because they went crazy. That stadium exploded, and you could really tell how much it meant to the players. Heck yeah. It, huge game for Panama. Yeah. Um, wasn't even that great of a goal. And that's what they were hyped. Like, imagine if they hit it like a worldie. It would have mm-hmm. been going like crazy in there. Mm-hmm. Like, Home field advantage, baby. Yep. Uh, I'll go into the lineup right now. Heavily rotated. And we're going to discuss that. Heavily rotated lineup. Only three players remained after that Jamaica win from that starting lineup. Turner, Zimmerman, Musa. Give it a quick read here. Like I said, Turner in goal, Shaq Moore out wide right, Mark McKenzie in the middle, Zimmerman, and then Bellow out left. Then in the midfield, like I said, Musa, Kellen Acosta played the six, and Leggett was the last midfielder. And then our wingers, Ariola and Wea, with Zardes in the middle striking. Let's start there. Dave, what are some of your immediate thoughts just regarding the lineup? There's so many of them, but first and foremost, like that feeling of why are we messing around with something that isn't broken first Mm -hmm. when I first saw it pop up, especially 
knowing how we imploded last time around, like just don't mess with it. And we completely messed with it and underestimated a squad that has actually performed very well so far. We were talking about it last week. They've had some very good results. Um, I was intrigued by Wea being like on the field. Zardes bores me. I just mm. don't think he's going to be the guy for you ever, especially when you have Pepe that played so well in the midweek. I know he's young and maybe they're worried about overplaying him, but this is the time you do that to ensure that we make the World Cup this time around. Um, then I was also, well, we could get into the other my other thoughts later. I was happy with, I'm always happy with the Turner, Turner being on the field. Like I know he had been sure. starting yeah. last time too, but what a game and we'll get into a bit more later. But, I want to yeah. actually discuss a little more of the tinkering you were talking about because yeah. they played the same formation, the same 4-3-3, so he didn't mess with that. But I think that he rotated largely because he might have been conceding this game a little tiny bit. We needed to rotate just because the players are playing intense amount of minutes at their clubs, and now we're fitting three games into what used to be a two-game window. Mm-hmm. I think Burhalter definitely had that on his mind. Let's talk on that a little bit. Do you think that was too much tinkering just with players? But, I mean, it might have been a little necessary. I mean, half these players, though, like I guess, I don't know. That brings in a whole other discussion that we could get into about is FIFA pushing like everybody to play oh. too many games at this point. And, you know, that conversation could be a multiple podcasts on its own. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, they these players are used to that would be my argument. Most mm-hmm. of these players are playing you know, a weekend game in their respective league followed by some form of European like soccer as well, whether it's the conference league, you know, they've expanded it. So they're used to the one game on the weekend, one game in the middle of the week. So I would make a small argument, like just don't do that right now. But I do understand, you know, traditionally the players do get tired out if they're used this many times within a matter of 10 days. And I think on top of everything you're saying, this lineup was still good enough to win this game for me. It should have been, yeah. Should have been. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That's the important laughs> part. Yes. So, diving into the first half then. First looks, I remember a player being down very quickly in this game. So, fouls happening already. But Brady, what did you see right away? I mean, it was so sloppy early and both teams, not just the U.S. because the U.S. was sloppy all game, but Panama started sloppy as well. And it might have been the the size of the moment, the field itself. It seemed like the grass was fairly long and obviously the crowds just going nuts. Um, it takes soccer players minutes, hopefully not very long, to get into a game. There's just so much going on. Dave, do you remember when you were playing... Like, what were moments that you were, you knew, okay, I'm locked in now? I would say, like, just, like, from a defensive position, like, after the first time, like, a forward has the ball or has made a run into open space and I can finally time him out a bit more, like, after that, I'm like, oh, shit, now I know exactly where I need to be, like, how far yeah. off I could play them. Um, but that was usually, like, the moment for me, and especially being a slower person, so... I was locked in and felt I knew where exactly I could be and how much space, you know, how much yeah. leeway there was when I was back there. So how much risk? So you were doing Just like so an people assessment. No, I'm not a good. Yeah, it was more of like that would be like where I'd be locked in, like situationally. I guess okay. I don't know if that's what you're going for more, but um, no, that's yeah, absolutely yeah. a good answer. I was thinking of 
that first really good complete pass. Like once I, yeah. you know, I, I connect a play or something like that, I was, okay, we're ready. Yeah. Also that first tackle, that first like, oh, I'm, I've got this guy I, and you win the ball clean. Yeah. That like snapped my brain into we are playing now. It is game time. Um, yeah. Which both of those lead me into some important numbers in this game. And just some of the differences between such a successful game against Jamaica versus this poor performance against Panama. We had 20% less passes against Panama than against Jamaica. 401 versus 510. That's a pretty big gap between two different games. We had 79.8% success in Panama versus an 86.3 at home. And yes, home versus away, those splits are pretty normal except for the fact that, you know, this comes from other things, not just home field advantage. We had 45% of the duels won in Panama. Compare that to 68% of the duels we won against Jamaica. That's also winning you the ball back and you you're, have more possession. It's also a bad pass can become a good pass if your team's consistently winning duels. It just makes the game so much easier. And a lot of that's just try hard. A lot of that is just how in the moment you are, how bad you want it. And speaking to that end, talking about fouls here now, who do you think had more fouls against in the Jamaica versus USA game? It, it has to have been Jamaica because it was really the only way that they were stopping the USA breakaways. Yeah, good call there. Uh, solid reference also. However, it was USA who had fouled Jamaica four more times. It was 12 to 8. You didn't huh. notice it in the moment because it didn't seem like they were scrambling around and you know trying to win the ball back. It was just a presence of mind. It was a, this is our ball, and if you have it, we're taking it away from you. <laughs> Against Panama... They had 12 fouls and we had 10. So we weren't even fouling them to get the ball back despite not having the majority of the possession. It's just one of those things. It's a mental thing as well as a physical. It's both at the same time. And it so much sets the tone for both teams. And most importantly, that all leads to the zero shots on goal by the U.S. Yeah. Not good. Not what you want to see going into the half. In the second half now, Brad, I know you always have your finger on the pulse when it comes to substitutions and or halftime adjustments. So what did you see coming out of half? The USA were a little bit better. The first 10 minutes, they played a little bit better than they had all first half. There was some personnel to that. Brendan Aronson comes in for Ariola, who did not have a good start to this game. And then Tyler Adams, who was definitely sat because of rotation. They needed him to not use up a full 90 for three games in this break. He comes in and replaces Musa. Uh, Dave, did you have any opinion on those subs just before I go a little bit insane? Um, other than wanting to see like Ty- Tyler Adams from the beginning. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but also, I just thought, I don't know. I guess he's probably taking Musa off to give him some rest at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would have rather seen Musa at least go 15, 20 minutes in the second half. Mm-hmm and then have him go out there with Adams. But I think, you know, as you were talking about when we were discussing the first half, you know, Bearhalter was thinking something completely different at this time. That's, yeah, that's true. The thing that I noticed 
was outside players in these formations. So the wingers and the outside backs, the understanding slash timing of certain decisions was just that much off. And it showed so much in this game. When you don't have a ton of possession as an attacking winger, you don't get a ton of the ball. So it's harder to make the right decision because I've just had less opportunities to make these decisions. And when they did have the ball, they made heavy, bad touches while dwelling, thinking about it, while trying to make a play, something like that. So we were losing possession while also not maintaining it. It's, it's a double-edged sword. It's a, it's a vicious cycle in that way. Uh, also, the defenders, the wing backs, the timing of runs is huge when you're playing wing back, when to go forward, when to sit still, when to be square, when to, you know, all these different things that you can do. And you can't just sit back because that's when a team then dominates you. And it's a very easy way to continue to not have possession. In this case, in the first half, it was a little bit too hesitant. It was a little bit too much like we're not going to go forward at all. And that's, you know, you don't create very much. However, you can't bomb too far forward too fast too early. You give counterattack opportunities as well as there's no options for your teammates in midfield to find you in those moments when they need a pass out of the middle because they're getting surrounded by opponents. On the other hand, great runs from your wing backs at the right timing can do great things for your team. Perfect example for Panama here, right before the goal, a switch was completed by Panama a little bit too easily, but the U.S. almost won the ball. Their right back made an aggressive underlapping run and it forced Tyler Adams to concede the corner that then results in the next goal. In the 54th minute, that goal was scored by Godoy of Panama. It was an inward swinging corner kick. And then what exactly happens? Godoy has the official goal uh, when it comes to the box score of this game. But looking at it, uh, there was discussion if it was an own goal on the United States. Who actually scored this? The argument is Godoy put his header on goal. And so then Zardes's touch doesn't make it an own goal because it was already traveling on target. Okay. So that's the argument. Also, I did tell you to watch out for Godoy. Plays yeah. for Nashville. He's one of their best players. And yeah, he was a difference maker in this game. Panama also on this goal does an excellent job of putting people in front of Turner to block his view of the ball. Almost like it was planned. Yep. Definitely was their plan. <laughs> they kept just trying to put corner kicks onto Matt Turner, just repeatedly just spin it onto him, make him yep. make a play, make a save. Mm -hmm. That can be risky because if he catches it, then no opportunities created at all, but he wasn't catching these cleanly. And it's part of the fight of a corner kick. You are just scrambling in there. Also, check yep. out that zone defense by the USA. I am one. I am, if you're going to use a zone, it had better be a mix of man marking and zone. I don't really like it. There are three attackers standing between that last line of Americans and Turner. And that just doesn't work for me. Uh, and you're, you're relying on Turner to then win that ball in the air. But if he doesn't, you see what happens. Yep. So that corner kick goal... Was obviously the difference maker is a one zero game. The United States could not get anything in the net for the rest of that second half. That's the end result. Looking at this 
match afterwards. Brady, what are your biggest takeaways? I think Dave and I agree that this lineup put us in a pretty difficult position. I think, for my opinion, it was a bit necessary to rotate. And I think that he was conceding this game a little bit. He was hoping to get a point and move on with his life. And it just didn't work out. Dave, I don't know if you have any comments on that. I think uh, limitations of our depth like came into play a little bit here too. Because yeah. he could have probably rotated in a, an even stronger squad than we had put out there. Like like you said, we probably should have gotten a point at the very least with the squad we did put out there. But if Dest is healthy, Pulisic is there, you know, some of these guys who would have started the first game would have been the the backups in the second. So I guess let's hope the next, you know, obviously it's not going to come into play against Costa Rica, but the the next international break, hopefully we'll have a little bit, a few more options when we're playing back-to-back games. Yeah, I think the depth was tested and it failed in this case. Mm-hmm. And the players are good enough individually and I'm a bit disappointed that they did not seem to have the plan cohesively together in this game. And I mean, playing away, it, this is CONCACAF. It's crazy. It's weird. Weird stuff happens. This was one of those weird games that you hope the U.S. can win going forward. I'm intrigued by how Panama play against Honduras in Honduras. It's going to very much set up for me how catastrophic this loss was. Was this not that big a deal? We win our game against Costa Rica, hopefully, and we're fine, and we're still second place in the rankings and in fine form to make the World Cup still? or is this a big old deal? Panama's here and they're going to make this World Cup and the U.S. better hang on. So that that's going to be a huge, <laughs> which is Tuesday. So we won't know before this is released, but you know, check out my social media and you'll get my general sense of being. Before we dive into any EPL news that we may have, since it's an international break, is there any international news? Yes, France won the UEFA Nations League over Spain. Pretty good game. Uh, Yeah, I don't have anything as far as Tottenham. There's a bunch of players around the world right now uh, participating in international tournaments and things like that. Hopefully everybody comes back healthy and that'd be great, but I don't really have any news there. Yeah, same for Liverpool. Just hopefully nobody picks up a knock. It sounds like uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold might be ready to go this upcoming weekend, which is huge. And then uh, Good. Uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum is regretting his decision to leave Liverpool and join DSG, <laughs> which I find funny. But it would have been nice if he could have stayed because that's where we have uh, depth issues. So yeah, that's it. Though. All right. Really, Chelsea's news is all injury-related. Some of it good, some of it bad. Uh, Rudiger was held out of Germany training uh, due to back pain, really hoping that this has not turned into a knock or a sustained injury for when he returns for Chelsea. Lukaku returned from Belgium to Chelsea due to muscle overload. Mm. And I'm quoting that word because I don't <laughs> really know what it means, but my guess is, is it's just a lot. Lastly, Polisic set to return to Chelsea practice, quote-unquote, soon. Possibly uh, this week. 
and so he hasn't really. played since their opener and he hasn't played with Lukaku at all because Lukaku wasn't part of the team then. So that may be something that clicks for both of them. Having Pulisic there, yeah. his play style will mesh very nicely with what Lukaku does. Mm-hmm. I will be very much excited to see them play together. I hope that happens sooner rather than later. Chelsea's on mm-hmm. top, but they've needed, they've, they've, they could use a spark, I think, to really push them. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say one thing real quick too, is that having watched uh, Chelsea a fair amount last year, just because of Pulisic, like he played very, very well with Giroud and Lukaku mm. is in a whole nother class. So it yeah, will man. be very exciting to see them on the pitch at the yeah, same time. Sure. You're totally right there, Herman. And I just wanted to make the connection to that muscle overload. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. There is a ton well, of soccer going around on for all players. Yeah. Not only that, but they probably were, you know, Chelsea is like, we don't want to risk him picking up a knock in a no, game that doesn't matter. Like, I think Belgium played, uh, they played somebody in the running runner-up game of, Belgium played Italy in like a third place game for the Nations League. And mm-hmm. it, it's like, what's the point? So, right. Send them home. <laughs> Send them home. Yep. Makes sense. <laughs> so staying with the EPL, let's talk about our game of the week for next week, which we have chosen and will be Newcastle versus Tottenham. Brady, your team is on the line. Oh, yeah. We got this <laughs> They play. One. They play Sunday, October 17th at 10.30 a.m. Now, Brady, I'm sure you have some things to say here, but first, predictions. Newcastle's not very good. Tottenham is meh. <laughs> so I'm going to go 3-0 Tottenham. I'm going 2 nothing Tottenham. Going 2-1 Magpies. It's at oh, James Dave. Park. Let's go. <laughs> New ownership. <laughs> right. So that is part of the reason that we picked this game. One, so you can hear me talk about my team because everyone loves to hear that, of course. Mm. Glowing reviews. Also, we need to discuss the Newcastle takeover. Very significant. Lots of money being poured in and many, many changes will be happening over the next couple of years. So we'll discuss that a little bit. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I don't know how any of that works, but it made headline news and was push notification worthy, according to ESPN. So, oh yeah, excited to dive into that next week. Otherwise, games coming up this weekend, just as a reminder, Red Stars are playing Saturday, October 16th, 7 p.m. versus Kansas City, Chicago Fire on Saturday, October 16th, 6 p.m., Versus New England. Let's go Chicago. Yes. Let's go Chicago. Before we wrap things up here, boys, any closing thoughts, final things you need to get off your shoulders? I personally subscribe to Indigenous Peoples Day, which today is also. Uh, And if you don't agree with me, there is a special by Bo Burnham called Inside, and there's a specific sock that describes it better than I ever could. Friendly Neighborhood Socko. Yes. Well worth a listen. Christopher Columbus was a awful, awful person. <laughs> so Indigenous Peoples Day 
is what it should be. He quote unquote discovered India. Oh wait, just wrong on so many accounts. Hey, the man could sail a boat, could he not? He would never go the right way, but he could sail it and lay claim to things that were not his to claim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our lovely listeners for tuning in each and every week. Give us a follow over on Instagram at Windy City Wingers, all one word. There's a link to our Patreon and our Instagram page. Brady mentioned our email earlier. It is windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Send us an email with feedback, questions, or if you want to go to the Fan Appreciation Day game with Brady, looking for some company. (laughs) Brad, if people want to reach out directly to you to talk about going to that game, where can they find you? At stat underscore bro is my Twitter handle. And on Instagram, I am at bradthebard13. Nice. And Dave, where can our listeners go to reach out directly to you or just tune in for your live tweets? I can be found at WCW Dave on both Twitter and Instagram. Love it. Love it. Thank you, as always, to our lovely listeners. We will catch you next week. A simple narrative taught in every history class is the monster. Thank you.